right, you can be seated tonight. We'll take our Bibles and we're going to go to Acts chapter number 6. Chapter number 6. We'll see. It's, it'd always, in all reality, anytime we've ever sung that and done that, I always get someone. And now I've never done it when we hadn't been online, so we'll see. It might happen again, but that's okay. It's all good. The good. We're in Acts chapter. If you remember last week, we talked about the early church, and we looked at some of the problems that they had in the early church and how they tried to address those problems and how when growth comes, there's going to be problems that appear because of growth. And uh, a couple of things I want to just reiterate tonight. Um, last I talked about how I believe that if we're going to go forward for the Lord and what he has for us, we've got to have people step up. We need to get some things. We're going to all that coming up very soon here. But I also don't want you to think a week is not meant for you to think, oh, pastor's too busy. I'm not going to call him if I need something. No, 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 no. You need something, I'm here, okay? And we'll make it work. I do. That was not for anybody last week to look at me and say, oh, pastor's busy all over the place. There's no poor pastor. I love serving God. There's nothing greater than being able to serve God and do what God's called me to do. And I wouldn't trade it for anything. But I also realize that if we're going to take the next step of growth, we have to change some things. And we'll talk more about that coming up. But tonight we look at a not a pastor, not an apostle. We look at one of the great men of the Bible here. And in all reality, as we sit here in church tonight, I, if I were you, if you want to look at what you could be for the Lord in the church that God places you, I don't care if you're a man or a woman tonight, I would want the testimony of Stephen. What a Christian. What a Christian. A man of faith. A man of power. We're going to look at Stephen tonight. And I love the fact he was not the pastor of the church. He was not an apostle. He was simply a follower of Jesus Christ that was found faithful and was called to be a deacon in the early church. And he took the gospel and he ends up giving his life for the gospel. His death really led to Saul's conversion. God used this man in a great way. He didn't write any books of the Bible for us. We have one sermon, and what a sermon. If you talk about someone Bible, man, if I, as, a, as a believer in Christ and a, going to a church, I'd want to know my Bible like Stephen. It's a shame that most pastors don't even have a clue what the Bible says compared to Stephen. He wasn't even a pastor of a church. I think that if God's called you to be a pastor, then you better know this book. You better be ready to give an answer. to. And I think every Christian should know this book. But especially if you're going to get up and preach it, you better be in this book, and you better know it pretty well. We look tonight at Acts chapter number 6, and we look down at verse number 8. And Stephen full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and of them of Sicilia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Do you see that right there? They couldn't resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. 
Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council and set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceased not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. What a guy, this guy named Stephen. Sounds like what they charged him with was very close to what they charged Jesus with, doesn't it? Sounds very similar. When we get to chapter 7 and we see some of the words he says before his death, he's going to sound a lot like Jesus there as well. He was not Jesus. He was simply a man trying to be like Jesus. I want to take a few minutes tonight. I want to talk about this man, Stephen. And I would encourage you tonight that you strive to be in this church or whatever church the Lord places you in that you strive to be a man or a woman of faith and see the example that's set by Stephen here. Father, we come to you this evening and we're grateful for who you are and grateful for your mercy and your grace and how we need you. We thank you for passages of Scripture like this one here and reading about these men. And we see, we just see it right here, this man was faithful he was called to do a job. They laid their hands on him. And he was one of the first deacons in the church. He was proven. He was a man of faith. He was full of your spirit. Help us to strive to be people of faith and to strive to be full of your spirit. We need you tonight. Bless the time that we have. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Sometimes when I pray and I say we need you tonight, Hope you want, I hope you realize we need him all the time. I say I need him right now as I preach the word of God more than I, and I need him all the time, a lot. I need him to take over in every area of my life. But when you get the privilege and the awesome privilege to be able to preach the word of God, you don't need a bunch of Brian up in this place. You need the spirit of God to be working. And what's needed is for Brian to move out of the way to let the spirit of God work. When we look at this passage of scripture tonight, the Lord loves his church. The Lord wants his church to succeed. He wants his church to grow. His church does great things for his name. Hates the church. He hates people getting saved. He hates people having to do what's right. The name of Jesus being preached. And as we look here, we've seen already in these few short chapters all the struggles that have come upon We see if it isn't the persecution on the outside, we see it's Ananias and Sapphira on the inside lying to the Holy Ghost and being killed right there. Then we see the persecution comes back on the outside. They get put in jail preaching as God tells them to go stand and do what and they still do it. We see that as they're doing what God's called them to do, people that don't think certain people are being 
And there's got to be handled. And if you don't handle this right, there could be a huge stir in the church here. And I love their response and the way that they responded to it and how the people responded. And we see that there was growth because of this, and this is what God wanted them to do. And then we see this man, Stephen, one of the early deacons in the church, preach the gospel. I just say tonight, before I get into the message, as a church, what are we looking for when we're looking for a deacon? Looking for, we're looking for faithful men. We're looking for faithful men. We're looking for men that proclaim the gospel. If you can't go and proclaim the gospel, you're not going to be a deacon. It's truth. That's truth. Say, so if, there, if, you don't, if a person's not a soul winner, would you consider them to be a deacon? I would not. Because that's what I see here. It's evident here. If you don't have a concern for souls... It's, and there's other things you can do. Every Christian should have a desire to see souls saved and work. But as we look here tonight, I just want to give you a few thoughts. Number one, we see who was—I want to talk about who was Stephen. Who was Stephen? There should be a question mark there, but there's not. Who was Stephen? We look at verse number 8. The Bible says, And Stephen, full of faith and power— did great wonders and miracles among the people. When we look at this, we see, and you go back to the earlier verses, verse number 5, it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. You see, he's the first one that was mentioned in the church. This guy should be a deacon. This is one of the guys that should help look over this. He's a man full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Do you know what I like to see? That even after he got the job, he was still full of God. Didn't there. Stephen, we see number one tonight, or letter A, he was a man full of faith. He was a man full of faith. We are saved by grace through faith. And in the Christian life, you need faith. The just shall live by faith. You need faith. The Bible makes it clear in Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 3. Faith is a substance hopeful the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report through faith. We understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen are not things which do appear. Verse 6 of that same chapter says, Without faith it's impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. You see, we see a man here who was full of faith. He lived out that faith. We need Christians today that will just stand and live out that faith. You got to understand something. Before you got saved, before you, came to, before you got saved, you had no faith. I was reading a book just recently, and I wanted to smack the author down just a little bit. But pastors aren't supposed to be strikers, so I wouldn't do it. Plus, he's around here, so I wouldn't do it, anyways. But he's going through that book, and he's saying how, and the whole point he's trying to make is that it's my faith; it's not the Lord's faith. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're dead. We are dead before salvation. You have no faith. You have none. You have no, you have none. And in that book, it makes it clear that faith is not a gift from God. Faith is your own and is helping you possess your salvation. That's not how it works. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And what you got to understand tonight is God gives you the grace and he gives you the his faith given to us. Don't forget. But we see that full of faith. 
Hey, as a church, we need to be a church that's full of faith. It's important. We see letter B. Hey, he was a man full of power. Stephen was filled with power. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. We saw that back in verse number 5, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then we see in verse number 8, a man full of faith and power. Where did the power come from? The power comes from the Holy Spirit. Man, some of my favorite books, I, the Minor Prophets, and I could go through such an awesome book. Haggai and Zechariah through there. Haggai, maybe some of you say it that way. Whatever the case may be, you say potato. No, I say potato, you say potato. You know, something like that. It's, it's okay. You know what I'm talking about. God raised up Zerubbabel for that time. And I love what Zechariah, what he preached to him in Zechariah chapter, what chapter is, do we have that verse? Chapter 4, verse number 6. And he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. You know what? It, we have a lot of Christians tonight that are powerless Christians. Why are we powerless? Because we're trying to live the Christian life in our own power. Hey, I can do this myself. I've got the strength. I am capable. You don't have strength tonight. You don't have power to do it on your own. You need the power of God. And the task that God had on his hands, he wasn't going to do it with his own might. He wasn't going to do it with his own power. He needed the Spirit of God. May I just remind you tonight, teach a class around here, your might, your strength, your mind power, it's not going to you need to do. You need the Spirit of God. Hey, if you're saying to someone, it's not about the fancy words that you have or the lines that you can say. You need the Spirit of God in you is what you need. What we need a revival tonight is the Spirit of God back in God's people. And we need the Spirit of God back in the preaching and the churches. And we see this man, who was Stephen? He was the man who was full of faith, but he also was full of power. And that power came from the Holy Spirit. Hey, the problem tonight is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is still just as powerful as he's ever been. problem is us Christians. problem is we are too full of everything else, and we have no room for the Spirit of God. We fill ourselves up with the junk of this world, and there's no room for the Spirit of God to do anything. We need to remove the junk and yield ourselves and let the Spirit of God have presence in our life. We need power tonight. Now, power comes from the Holy Spirit. You have the greatest power source inside of you tonight in all the world. You know, we look around our world, and we hear all these, we hear all these crazy things. And I'm not trying to be political with you. But gas prices, and we say, you know, well, if Russia, if, they, if a war wasn't going on there, gas prices wouldn't be so high. We didn't have to get our oil from Iran and these different places. It wouldn't be so high. You have enough oil in America to take care of all of our needs that we have for oil. We don't need to be dependent on someone else for it. We have all the resources here. And that's a fact. That's a given fact. And we get so upset, and I get upset by it. But you have the greatest power source in all the world living inside of you. The one who can help you do what's right when you don't do what's right. How many of you wish you did what was right, but you do the wrong thing? And that's even moment by moment. It happens several times a day. You have power source in you to be able to say no and do what's right. 
and yet we don't use it. We need the power. We see number one, who was Stephen? He was a man full of faith. And we see that he was a man full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. Would that we would strive to be men and women full of faith and men and women full of the Holy Ghost. Then we see letter C. We see that he was a man full of the Word. He was full of the Word. He was full of the Word. You say, well, how do you know he was full of the Word? Wait till we get to chapter 7. Wait till you hear his sermon. He didn't have one of these in front of him. He did not. You got that privilege, and we're even tonight, you can pick up one of these, and you can pull it up right here. You can see it right here. Man, this morning, if you were in the second service, I didn't even that I left my iPad back there. I didn't have my iPad the whole sermon this morning. It was great. I felt so free, and then I'm like, where am I at my notes? Oh, yeah, I didn't even pull out my notes. He was full of the word. If your Bible went away tonight, you couldn't access it on your phone, Bible would. I can't. You want to do? People say I don't have money. I don't have money. Oh, it's funny. You have money for what you want to have money for, and you don't have money for what you don't want to have money for. That's the way that works. Same thing is true. You say I can't memorize anything, and you'll go into a store, and they'll be playing these songs over the thing. You'll be. And I've seen some of you going just like that, like I just did. And that's not it, the, not the Christmas Christian ones. That's the other ones. Some of you get, hey, I'm, I'm, I just try to avoid you. I'm like, let them do their thing, you know? And, uh, oh, but it's a catchy tune. The word of God's quick and powerful. Sharpening a two-edged sword. I wonder how long you could go with the scripture that you have with somebody. A couple years ago, a friend of mine, he wanted to do a competition. His competition was just to say scripture back and forth. No Bible open, nothing. How long could we go with scripture that we could quote? And the goal was not to repeat the same one he said or whatever, but I'm sure after a while it got where we probably repeated a few. Four hours when we stopped. No Bible open. It's quoting scripture, quoting scripture, quoting scripture. That's why it's awesome that you have your kids, those of you that do in a Christian school. It's an awesome thing to have them in a Christian school because of all the Bible that they learn. I mean, even if they didn't get anything else, if they just memorize God's word, it will put them so far ahead. Because thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But we see that Stephen, he was a man full of God's word. Do you know more about the sports teams than you do about God's book? Do you know more about some movie than you do about the Word of God? We need to strive to be people of the book. You can, mem- you can memorize it. You can study it. You say, I, could, I just can't memorize. Then write it and put it everywhere. Just have it in front of you. Wasn't it, what was the command there in Deuteronomy? It was supposed to be where basically your eyes are closed and you're still just picturing the Word of God being on the frontlets of your eyes. And you might not have, you might not have a word here wrong, but at least get God's word in you. 
desire it, crave God's word. The problem we have today, and when it comes down to all these things, we're not full of faith. We're not full of the spirit. We're not full of God's word because we're full of everything else. And the devil tries to give you this cheap substitute and tries to fill you with that doesn't fill you up. It makes you Man, the other day, I hate to confess sin in here, but someone took me out for a birthday dinner the other night. It was a late birthday dinner. And it was one of those places that it, all it was was, you know, it's one of those places, they, the Brazilian steakhouse type thing, and it's just meat and meat, and meat, and meat, and meat, and meat. <sighs> I probably ate half a, pit, half a cow that night. I don't know. No, not bad. But afterwards, I just felt super full. But it was different because, you know, I didn't have, and this is the thing, the more carbs and things you eat, the longer it sticks and the worse you feel. I had a lot, and I didn't overeat. Don't tr- I'm, I'm still trying. I'm still trying to lose just a little bit more if the Lord allows me to. We'll see what happens. Isn't that a good way to work? If the Lord allows me to, the Lord's like, I'm willing. It's you, Brian. But anyways, we'll just leave that one out there. But when you eat good things and fill yourself with good things, you stay full longer. Where you can go get ice cream, and don't get me wrong, I love ice cream. I will always love ice cream. It's always top high on my list. But you eat a bunch of junk, you might feel full, but it doesn't last, and you don't feel good afterwards. And the problem is this world wants to fill you full of its junk, and the devil wants you to be full of this junk, so you don't have room to have faith. You don't have room to have the Spirit of God to be full of His Spirit. And you don't have room for the Word of God, because you're so full of everything else. That's why I see a lot of Christians, you get so sidetracked on so many things. Let me help you out right here. There's going to be an election going on in a couple days, and then it's going to be over with. And I don't know. I trust the Lord, and I'll leave it right there. The Lord is still in control. You don't got to go online and search every YouTube video and see where all the cheating's going on. Will there probably be some sort of cheating somewhere? There probably will be. Men are involved in this, and crooked men at that. And crooked ladies. We'll put everyone in there. We need to be full of God's word. You need to get off the internet so much. You need to get off the television so much. You need to quit watching so much sports. That was for me. And you need to get full of God's word. You need to get full of the Holy Ghost. You need to be full of faith. That's the type of man that Stephen was. Number two. We see, number one, who Stephen was. Now we see who fought against Stephen. We see it here, and it should be a question mark there as well. Everyone who stands up and speaks the truth, let me repeat myself, everyone who stands to speak the truth in God's power is going to face opposition. And may I remind you tonight, before we dive into these notes here, that as we look at this, you've got to understand where this battle comes from. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, Finally, my brethren, be strong in yourself. Find your inner strength. And let your inner strength help you get through. Be strong in the Lord. Put on bits and pieces of the armor. Put on the whole armor of God. Not part of it, the whole thing. They may be able to stand against the walls of the devil. 
Hey, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. You wonder what I see with this man, Stephen? He had on the whole armor. And when his moment came, when he was attacked, and when he was put on trial there, he stood up and he stood in his evil day. Because he put on the armor of God. This battle tonight is not against flesh and blood. My battle tonight is not against our governor, even though I think he's pretty dumb. We'll leave it at that. My battle's not him. We know where the battle comes. It's Satan. It's, there's a lot of demonic forces at work. There's a lot of things you have no clue about tonight. And that I really don't want We need to put on the armor of God. As we look at this and we see who fought against him, we see letter A. We see it was the synagogue of the Libertines. This group was a synagogue for those Jews who had been dispersed outside of Israel, and now they gathered in Jerusalem to worship. You've got to understand, their apologists, or those that stood for them, they could not argue with Stephen's knowledge. Do you see that there? The Bible says that they couldn't argue with, you see, they were unable, verse 10, to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. That just shows you the importance of studying God's word. The problem we have is we don't study God's word, and then someone asks us a question, um, I don't know. No, it's sad. You see, the, you see those folks that ride their bicycles around town and have little badges on and they dress nice and sharp? They're very well studied in what they believe. And they don't have the truth. They don't have the truth. You and I have the truth. We should be well studied in it. Can you defend your belief in Jesus Christ tonight, according to the scriptures? Can you let someone know how Jesus is the only way? Oh yeah, there's, there's a verse in the Bible that says that. I know there's several verses that do. Can you talk about sin? Can you talk about why the cross is so important? Can you be ready to give an answer to every man of the hope that is in you? See, this was the sin of the Libertines, and they could not do anything about it. So what did they do? Letter B, they hired informants. They hired people to come in. You know, they couldn't do it. They could not resist. They couldn't get anywhere with Stephen. So what did they do? Informants. And what did they do? Number one, they accused Stephen. It says there that they subord men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And these informants, they stirred up the people. We see they accused, but we see number two, they stirred up the people. They did the same thing that the chief priests and elders did to get Barabbas released. We see it right before us. The people were stirred up. 
And it's amazing how, and you think about the fact they were stirred up, it means excited the people, which means it alarmed their fears. That's why as a Christian tonight, we need to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in God's work. This world's going to get stirred up easily with things. You and I don't need to get stirred up by everything that goes on in this world. You don't need to. I know there are times we, there are surprises that come and we get shocked by things, but we serve the King of Kings. He sees it all. He knows it all. He hears it all. He has his eyes this morning. He hears you. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in God's work. They start. But lastly, number three, Roman numeral number three, why you see what made Stephen different? I think we already talked about it. he was full of faith, he was full of the Holy Ghost, and he was full of the Word. But look at verse 15. And all that sat in the council looked steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. The first thing that I see that was different about Stephen, letter A, was he had grace under pressure. We saw a minute ago in that verse, verse number 10, that they couldn't resist his wisdom and his spirit. I don't think he was standing there antagonizing them. He wasn't telling them, if you don't want to stand and do the pledge with me, you can do whatever you want. He wasn't being like I was a little bit ago. He was a little bit more, a little bit more grace when he said it than when I said it tonight. But he had grace. Look at that guy. No, he was responding like Jesus. That's why with Jesus, what they have to do? They had to lie about him. Stephen, they had to lie about him. He had grace under pressure, and then let her be. He had the face of an angel. That's very interesting there. Think about this. I think a great way to word this would be, you know the Sanhedrin and this council? They didn't see hate or horror. They saw a taste of heaven. What do you do when you're mistreated? What do you do when you're wrongfully accused? We see that this man had grace under pressure, and he had the face of an angel. One of my commentaries said this. It said, we need men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. I'll say that one more time for you. We need men of the cross with the message of the cross bearing the marks of the cross. We need to be a witness of faith. We need to have grace under pressure. And we need to have a sweet spirit when we do it.